Oh my God. Hey, everybody, it's uh, Slade Smiley here with my lady love, Gretchen Christine Rossi. You're listening to the latest episode of Not Too Taboo. I love the fact that I got you giggling already and we're just getting started. For the love of God. Yeah, baby. Talked about my big man upstairs. It's, t- <laughs> oh my God. It's 10.06 p.m. P.S. And what are we doing? We are drinking. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Baby's down. We have her sound asleep. We have our drinks. And you guys, I'm really excited about our drinks this week because I had this gal reach out to me on social media. Um, she heard our podcast where we were drinking our margarita. And um, she said, hey, she said, me and my boyfriend, um, we've come up with this business during quarantine because we've you know been laid off from our jobs at this time. And she's like, do you mind if we drop off some of our drinks? Because what we're doing now is we are making batch drinks. So this is so cute, you guys. So the name of the company is called Bowtie. He ordered the lemon drop because he loves lemon drop. And Mm -hmm. then I ordered the Moscow Mule. Cheers. Cheers. I love giving shout outs to small companies like that, especially during this time. I think it's really important that we support our small businesses and friends and family around us that, you know, are struggling during this time. So thanks you guys for dropping that off. Yeah. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. Cause I I would say necessary service. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. I would also say they're on trend with what's happening with uh, this particular pandemic. Yeah. You know what that is, right? What? People are not sure post pandemic whether they're going to join Weight Watchers first or AA. (laughs) It's going to be one of the two or possibly both. Right. Yeah. I know. It's so true. So at the very beginning when we launched our podcast, which by the way, I just want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. You guys are truly like so amazing, so wonderful. Every single week, um, you guys are just tuning in. We're getting so much great feedback from everybody. Thank you for that because we need the feedback. We're just so appreciative of you, you know, coming along on this journey with us. And, um, you know, this next stage is the next chapter with us. And we've really just enjoyed chatting with you guys. And and this episode, we decided to dedicate to all of you guys because um, at the beginning when we first launched the podcast, I asked, what questions do you have for Slade and I? And like... I'm not kidding. Like holy bananas did they come in? At least over a thousand questions. Like I literally, that's no exaggeration, you guys. It's it's more than a thousand questions. I showed the producers and they were like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like we would never be able to get to this. So we decided to um, dedicate this episode to answering a lot of those questions that came in from gosh, the very beginning of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've had so many guests every week after every week. And so I finally said, to we've been like, incredible by the way, we've learned some amazing things from our guests. Totally. I'm growing. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not just around my waist. <laughs> I am growing. No, for sure. Uh, for sure. But I mean, I think, I think it's also, um, fun when we're, especially when we're quarantined that you and I get to sit down after the baby's gone down, we get to connect, we get to talk and then we get to connect with our audience. So it, it is good because I have questions, Gretchen. What are your I have questions, questions for you? I mean, we're going to get into our, our, our fans questions. Yeah. I have questions for you. What's the question you have for me? A lot of questions for you. Like one of the big questions is why when you're cold, oh, Lord, I'm hot. <laughs> no, that's big. or if I'm hot, uh-huh. you're cold. Okay, so that is called you're the yin to my yang. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> We're yin and yang. But then what happens is, and this is besides the fact that you've made me get out of bed like ninety times. Like we, I think we've already addressed <laughs> the issues I have with the get up, go back to bed, right. get up, go back. That to was bed last thing. episode. That yeah. was last episode. But but last night, perfect example. Yeah, you're cold. Mm-hmm. You you want me to come lay next to you because you're cold, right? You want me to make you warm. You're not comfortable. Get over here. After mm-hmm. I found my perfect spot. Right. I come over. I get next to you. You're like, nah, it's not really working. You're bothering me. You got <laughs> you to go back to your island. Can you just get away from me? Get away from me. I get did. Me. I legit was like, this isn't really working. I need you to go back to your space. <laughs> and just, you know, we legit have separate beds. Yeah, we do. We're so, so we are so old people. It, it's a split king. We're so like, there's that crack in between, like, cause they're all, uh, pneumatic, right? So both sides can adjust separately. Pneumatic? Yeah. Pneumatic? A pneumatic, the ability to rise or lower. <laughs> okay. That was a big word. <laughs> pneumatic? Who says that to describe That's that? what it is. <laughs> what would you call it? What are you, a walking dictionary? Well, come on. What kind of Gretchenism would you come up? How would you describe your bed? Pneumatic? I would certainly not use the word pneumatic. I would say 
up and down. <laughs> you know what? Now that you said it and I'm half, I'm half, halfway in on my drink. I got to look up pneumatic. Like, what does that mean? No, really? Like I've never even heard that word. I've never heard in 11 years. I've never heard you use that term ever. Really? Yeah. That's uh, so random. I feel like. Pneumatic definition. You're so funny. Oh my gosh. Uh, definition. Containing or operating by air or gas under pressure. That has nothing to do with our bed. <laughs> Sounds more like my ass. <laughs> Is uh sorry. Oh my gosh. Okay. That is like the what that is like hydraulic epic fail right hydraulic? there. <laughs> well, no, okay. Here's the thing: <laughs> things that are pneumatic, they do they rise and lower. It's like oh. when our car li- lowers, like when you stop the car, mm-hmm. it actually lowers so you can get out of it. Uh-huh. That's technically pneumatic. Okay, so every time that happens, I'm gonna be like, wow, that was very pneumatic. <laughs> <laughs> You're so lame. <laughs> okay, moving okay. on. Yeah. The fans well, understand my pain. I think we should get right into the questions because there's literally like 962. Okay. Get into okay. the questions, Gretchen. I may have more for you by the time we're done. Okay. Like why you get into the bathtub and the minute you sit down in the <laughs> bathtub, you're like, can you get me a washcloth? I'm like, okay, I go get the washcloth. Wait, where's my razor? Oh, oh, let me go get the razor. Oh, I forgot my face wash. <laughs> I mean, it's you like 19 why? trips. I know. And you know what's so funny? I do it every time you guys, and you know why? I've realized what happens is as I'm making the bath, I'm thinking about so many other things. Like I'm, I'm literally like, I multitask all the time and I'm thinking about so many other things and things I have to do and what I need to do before I go to bed and like all these things. And by the time I'm like in the bath, I'm like, crap, I forgot about the things I should be focused on right now in this moment, which is like the washcloth and the shaver and the soap. (laughs) You've been doing that to me for 10 years. I swear. And I'm the monkey that just goes and does it. I know you're so sweet. You always like come and save the day. Okay. So let's get into the questions. What was the hardest part of seeing yourself on TV? Mm. The fact that it adds 20 pounds. Really? Well, because it's a widescreen. It's not a tall screen. <laughs> I know, so, but I never felt like I looked fat. I mean, yeah, I Oh, that's you, right. You didn't have the nickname Tubba, Tubba Wubba, Wubba or Chunky Monkey I or t- Sticky Buns or Candy I Thighs. I called you Tubba Wubba, you know, and I got a lot of crap from that. Um, you know what? And then your dad said he stepped in a pile of Slade. I know. That was funny. It wasn't that funny. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, Slade, Gretchen's dad hates Slade. And it was like, he, they never, they didn't understand. He just teases everybody. It was funny. It's kind of a shitty um, comment. What was it? <laughs> Don't even start it's with so your so great, puns. you guys. She gets a couple of drinks and I can make her laugh at every stupid joke I say. What was the hardest part of seeing yourself on TV? You know, I think, um, I know this is going to sound really weird, but you, okay, so your first season that you're on the show, you like really don't have that many insecurities. You don't think much about anything. You're just like, whatever. And you go on the show and then you start seeing yourself and you're like, wow, that like makeup does not look good. Or that outfit is certainly not flattering. And then you have all the like trolls and the haters come out on social media and they start like ripping you apart. And they're like, oh my gosh, your mouth looks like a horse or your, you know, whatever. And like all these little things that you didn't even realize that were like an issue, people start pointing out to you and start, start telling you like what looks bad on your face. And I've said this many times before and I'll continue to say it, but I've never had plastic surgery. I've had the Botox fillers, but I've never done plastic surgery. And I will tell you after being on the show, I certainly started talking to doctors about some plastic surgery because people just like rip you to shreds. And it did, it hurt my, my like self-esteem a little from like all those people saying stuff, at least at the very beginning. By the time I was at the end, I was just like, oh, whatever. They say everything about me under the sun, but I struggle with that. How about you? Anything that you didn't like? Besides the fact that you look like a douchebag the first two seasons. <laughs> Despite the fact that you look like a douche for the last decade. No, you do. Those first two seasons though, that was, that was harsh. Well, I don't know if people even know that story. I mean. Actually, that was one of the questions. So let me see if I can find it. It said, um, let's see. It said something about like you got on the show from like the charity event, but I don't think people really know that story. So you start telling it while I find the question. Okay. Well, two, two things actually, cause I'll answer your last question and then get into, get into this, I guess. Um, Scott Dunlap, who created the television series was my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, to clear that up, a lot of people think Andy Cohen created it, which is not true. No, Andy I, Cohen I don't even not- know. Honestly, 
I don't even know if Andy was at the network. Yeah. I think Andy, Andy came from logo network is what I remember. He came on as a third person in charge of development at the network. Mm -hmm. And Andy only kind of popped up season two. And the, the original concept for the show was our own version of curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. So it was about, um, a group of individuals that lived, um, wealthy individuals that lived behind these, this gated community, but there was a lot of dysfunction. So it was really a comedy. And if you could see the first trailer that was pitched to the network, it was all comedic. Right. And what ended up happening was we were doing a lot of satire. So we actually had comedic writers. We were doing some really, really funny stuff, which is why the first, I don't know, first seven or eight episodes, you see me kind of really being a douche. Yeah. Like that you know, was, I'm, that was so weird for me because I knew you in real life. And I remember tuning into the show and being like, what the hell, who is this guy? Like, why is he like so douchey? Cause you were, you were like legit, not that person. And every person that meets you still to this day, like we just had a business person come last week to our house and they were literally like, you were like the nicest, coolest person ever. And I had this totally different you know, vision of yeah, you but, from the show. But I'll tell you exactly why, because when we were doing all of this, this shtick, mm-hmm, basically, mm-hmm. you know, I was on the golf course uh, with clients of mine. I've got my assistant driving the golf cart. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys makes a comment and he's like, well, you really suck at golf. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but I'm rich. <laughs> or, or we go up to a tee box. I get ready to, to tee off. I take a couple of the golf balls out. I pick the one I want to use. I tee off. I go to my assistant, Megan. I'm like, Megan, grab my balls. <laughs> you know? But you, I mean, but you it knew was just, like you were having fun in that moment. Like you were well, yeah, just Yeah, because there, there was literally comedic writers that were attached to the show at the very beginning. Interesting. So we were just doing really funny, stupid, slapsticky stuff. So like when you see me, you know, in my underwear working out with a face mask. Oh my on, God. That going, was the moment I remembered. Right. And I go, I got it going on. You and I'm like, I'm like doing martial arts. That. I mean, come on. Like, I got it going yeah. on. I'm like, who, what, who says that about themselves? They had me redo like a whole scene for American Psycho. Oh. Where like I shave, I moisturize, I peel. They show me lay out seven suits, seven ties, seven watches. And then I come down and do the reveal, you know, this whole slick look. This was all part of kind of the, the funny dysfunctional shtick that we were doing in the beginning. Hmm. So imagine this, we, we filmed for three months. Yeah. The network has acquired the show. We're doing our own comedic stuff. It's really, really fun. Cause I'd been acting for a long time. I've been doing commercials and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And that's why Scott originally approached me is he goes, I know you're an actor. He goes, this will be a lot of fun. He, he was a groundling. He came from the groundlings. Yeah, so for those right. people that don't know, groundlings is a school for trained comedians and actors. Like a lot of the Saturday night live people come out of the groundlings. groundlings right. Well, Scott's one of those guys. Right. He's really funny. He has a super dry sense of humor. So, so people, did you already say this? People might not know this, but he was your neighbor. Yeah. So he was my neighbor. Right. He so you guys were friends. Yeah, we were totally friends. Yeah. And he he approached me about his show concept and about, you know, how we were going to be doing this comedic satire and all this stuff. Uh-huh. So I said, sounds like a blast. A lot of, I would love to do it. I love comedy, which is why, you know, we did the old stand-up thing. Right. I mean, we've always loved comedy. Okay. And so I agreed to do it. A lot of people's perception is, is that you bought your way onto the show. Because Vicky even said that on her podcast, people yeah. told me that uh-huh. she literally was like, oh, Slay bought his way into the show. So explain like- how that came about and the backstory behind that because yeah it's partially true yeah partially true because Scott had already talked talked to me about being on the show right um I had already started like either filming with Scott or we were talking about uh, the sizzle reel or what they were sending to the network mm-hmm. but what happened is my neighbor across the street was mm-hmm. diagnosed with brain cancer right and so Scott decided to have a huge charity event in his home and the whole neighborhood kind of came together to raise money for this neighbor who was Mm -hmm. unable to work because of his condition. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that Scott had uh, auctioned up at the charity event, he said, look, we're getting ready to start a new show. I'd like to offer up an opportunity for someone to participate in the show. You know, we're still at the bidding at a thousand bucks. Right. And I went, you know what? I'll donate, I'll donate 2,500. I'll I'll write a check to the neighbor next door. Like, let's just do it. Yeah. So I did, I cut a check at the event in support of my neighbor. Right. Even though but you had already talked to him about being a part of Scott, the show. Yeah. We'd so, already communicated about it. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, it's just funny how things can get manipulated. Of, oh, Slave bought his way onto the show where it was like that just, it kind of happened like after the fact of what had already been discussed. And then it yeah. worked out perfect where it's like, okay, if I can help with this too, and I know I'm going to be part of the show, then great. Exactly. And Scott, and Scott would confirm that. I mean, yeah. you know, it's really not any, any big deal. So yeah. the other thing that happened, which was so interesting. Well, now was Vicky cast at that time? No. 
Oh, she wasn't even cast at that time yet? No, Vicky. Vicky's not in the original trailer. She, she wasn't one of the original cast members. Oh, that's funny. Because the show, the show was- Miss, I'm OG, I'm OG, I'm the first. That's whatever. interesting. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, Wait, she legit wasn't even in the original no. sizzle? No, she's not in it. Really? Uh-uh. The original sizzle was, she, was really funny. Because she made funny. it sound like it was her and Gina that were like in the original sizzle. She tried to claim that she didn't even audition for the show. Mm. That Michael submitted her and name. And Andy Cohen called her out called on her that. Called her out on, on it. At I mean, the reunion. He's I like, know. I saw your audition tape. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like these women have like this, you know, I don't know, blinders. Uh, but the original sizzle was quite funny because it was about the families. It was it was legitimately about, you know, we they all had nicknames. So like we had a guy whose name was 70 and seven. Yeah. So oh, he yeah. made $70,000 every seven seconds. That's amazing. Right? And so the, you, you got this kind of random, awkward guy. He's standing out back. So that was fake though. Was it real or fake? No, it was all satire. It was all, it was all kind of made up comedic stuff. The, these characters were developed for the, for the show. Because originally. it wasn't technically real housewives. Yet no, it wasn't, how, it wasn't real housewives. It wasn't, it wasn't a reality this show. This was the sizzle. It was what we call a soft scripted comedy. Got it. So the 70 and seven guy was a guy that was, you know, he's, he's looking up at the sun. He's like, oh, what a great day. Oh, I just made another 70 K, <laughs> you know, and then the camera kind of goes to the pool and in the pool where there's this pool sweeper moving really, really slow. Yeah. It's just super awkward. Yeah. Well, he invented it. Oh, wow. So like he made 70 grand every seven seconds based upon his inventions. That's you know, he just funny. super, super wealthy. And then there was a kid called uh, the boomerang. Yeah. And actually this kid, this kid's become very famous. Yeah. You told me this. Yeah. This is so, so cool. So my, my neighbor, my friend, Ryan Eggold. Yeah. So Ryan actually uh, played as a key uh, um, actor in the blacklist. Yeah. He's so he's, good. He's too. so good. He's on the history channel. You know, he came out of USC film school, really, really talented. Yeah. But we used to make videos. Like How we, funny. we made these really. Did he live in Kodo? Yeah. He lived three houses down from me. Wow. So he, he was part of the original audition tape. Interesting. And what the tape was about was- That'd be fun if they dug that out of the vault. Oh, it would be fun to show it. Like, I don't even he'd know- He'd be mad because he's like, I'm a legitimate actor now. <laughs> and like, he, he auditioning wouldn't for he, like- No, he wouldn't because at that time it was not reality. Oh. At that time it was comedy. This is like juicy behind the <laughs> scenes, real housewife well, info that people do not know. They do not know. So here's what happens. Three months into production, yeah. the network comes back and they go, look, we want to change format. Mm. We want to change from this soft scripted comedy. We want to go reality. Right. Because it's becoming a big thing. Um, we think that uh, it would become incredibly popular because of another television show that's on air called The Desperate, Desperate Housewives. Housewives. And it's in 144 countries. Wait, Desperate Housewives was? Uh-huh. It was a syndicated property all over the world. That's weird because Housewives is, is just as many. If not more now. Yeah. Because there's 195 countries total around the world. So- uh, random facts by Slate Smiley. <laughs> random facts. Um, anyway, so so what happened was is they decided that because of the popularity of the Real Housewives, you mean of Desperate Housewives? Of Desperate Housewives. Yeah, we're going to call you the Real Housewives. Interesting. And instead of the show being about these families, yeah, we're going to have the show be about the women, mm. and the kids and the husbands will be ancillary. It'll really be about these women, and we're going to do this thing called a docu soap. Mm. So it's documentary in style, how we film it, but soap opera-esque in the story that we're going to tell. And I literally remember Lauren Zelaznik, who was the president of Bravo Television at the time. She said, we want to become the answer to the afternoon soap opera. Mm -hmm. And if we do this right, we should franchise it. Which and, was brilliant which was on brilliant. her part. She goes, I want to be like McDonald's. Yeah. I want a Bravo housewife franchise on every street corner. And she didn't make that call. Till the day- Day before we launched. Until the day before it aired, it was right? Called, it was called The Real Housewives. And the second we were going to launch, that, that was the day before the launch, she said, you know what? Should we franchise this? We should make you The Real, Real Housewives, Housewives of Orange, Orange County. County. Yeah. Yep. I remember you telling me that story. Uh -huh. yeah. and, and a lot of people don't even realize that there are a lot of housewife shows. You know, Miami, for example. Miami was Miami Social. Mm -hmm. And when they brought the show in and when they focus grouped it, it really didn't track very or well. Or like Manhattan Moms or something. Manhattan Moms. Yeah. A lot of those shows, they didn't track well. Yeah. They went back out, kept the characters, reformatted the show and brought and it back in as a housewife show. So what sucks is that you've been doing satire and comedy and like saying all these really stupid slapsticky things. Right. Yet 
the message to the viewer is, oh, this is real. Yeah. This is a reality show now. These people are really like this. Yeah. So everything I had done up to that point, which made me look like a total douche. douche. Yeah. Got left in. Well, and what's so fast, what's like so interesting to me about this is I knew you. Like I had, I had worked with you and I knew you, and you were like the nicest, coolest guy. So I remember watching and going, like, oh my God, like, is that guy really like that? Because if he's like that behind closed doors, like, I, like what a jerk, you know, mm -hmm. or like what a douche. And so it's funny, someone that even knew you. You know, and liked you question because of the way that they put that out there. It cost me a lot of money. And that's the thing that I think people don't know about reality television is that like it can literally like make or break a business sometimes. And depending on how the production company and or how your cast members want to talk about your business or tear down your business or lift up your business, it could it could really hurt it. It can. Well, those are the two things that I think it's hard for people to kind of grasp. So you have, you have, you have two things working against you. One is, is that, and production will probably hate us for saying this, <laughs> but, but one is, is that production, especially on the reality side, they don't believe that you are capable of, of, of acting because mm -hmm. you're not, you're not a trained actor. Mm -hmm. So therefore we must cast individuals who are certain character types. Mm -hmm. I need the, the arrogant girl, the bitchy girl, the crazy girl, the workaholic girl, spiritual the girl, spiritual girl, the Bible beater. Mm -hmm. They have to look for people that have those characteristics. Number one, because mm -hmm. they don't think you can act that out. Right. The what other, do you think I was cast as? The gold digger. Yeah. Yeah. With the sugar daddy, with right. the rich, with the rich guy. Right. Was, which was, which, which we talked about on this, the yeah. other episode, but it was just so weird because like I went into it knowing how successful I've been in real estate and then I own my own home and all stuff. And like, They'll never I was so clueless to the fact that they were going to like, just make me look totally opposite of that because yeah. it wasn't my reality. I had a big conflict with production mm -hmm. who, who, you know, uh, someone we choose not to mention cause she's so irrelevant, um, <laughs> made an accusation or comment about me, uh, about, as a father. Uh -huh. And I literally had the documentation to prove that she flat out lied. Yeah. And I, and I know they set her up. And when I showed that, documentation. Wait, when you, when you say, you know, they set her up, meaning, you know, that production encouraged her to go after you to go after me and yeah. attack me. Yeah. And I had the proof to prove that she flat out lied and she made it up. Right. Wanted, had no interest in seeing the proof. Yeah. And when I brought it to production, I go, how dare you? I mean, that's so detrimental to me, my work, my son. Mm -hmm. And they go, like, this is not a news organization. We're making a reality show. Yeah. And I'll never forget that comment. Yeah. You know, because and, it was so harsh. Well, and not only was it so harsh, but what a lot of people don't realize is that, yeah, for that was a made for TV moment, but that bled into your real life. And, Absolutely. And when you are, you know, there's, there's a few things in, in life that like really just sting at the core of who you are as a human being. And when someone is attacking you as a parent, when, when there's no true justification for that, like if there's if there's truth behind it, that's one thing, but when there really isn't truth behind it and when they are fabricating information and when they're calling you a deadbeat dad and doing the things that they were saying about you. And on top of it, you had a sick child. And the fact that that was already a, a hard enough, like, you know, cross to bear with a terminally ill child. And then on top of it, they threw this at you and they had fun you know, attacking you and doing this and making mm -hmm. TV out of it. You had no qualms whatsoever in attacking another individual whose son is terminally ill yeah. with cancer. She did actually say, um, you know, you never really, you, you don't never really know how hard it is until you're actually dealing with it. And so maybe she's had some self-reflection and realized, I doubt it, but maybe she has had some self-reflection and realized like she just made some comments that made me laugh. Cause it was like, she, she's doing the whole like, poor me. And like, this is so hard. Like, she's been this so is enlightened because it's happened to her in her family now. Yeah. And it's like, it's the hardest thing ever. I don't wish this on anybody. Da, da, da. And it's like, well, yeah. What, what, where was that empathy when Slade was dealing with the son? Or where was that empathy when I was dealing with Jeff with cancer? You're so politically correct. That person is an asshole. Let's okay. just keep well, it at that. So, I try to be politically correct because you know why? I feel like it's okay that people make mistakes and maybe they grow. And I want to, Part of my spirituality is believing 
that people maybe can see the light at some point. So I'm going to choose to believe that. You're so good, Gretchen. That person has been an asshole for a decade. But yeah, <laughs> probably that's, longer that's than really that. really sweet. But <laughs> do, you, do you also remember when I was consulting for um, a company that I work with mm-hmm. who is attached to certain government entities? Mm-hmm. And um, I can't really disclose a right. lot about the work that's been done by them or right. the consulting that I do with them. Right just because of the sensitivity of that information mm-hmm. um, and production was highly aware of, of that work mm-hmm. that was being done. All right. And it really couldn't be discussed on right. the show. So the narrative all of a sudden is he doesn't work. Right. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a job. He's, He's living a off of dad. Gretchen's coattails. Yep. That was when, the big thing was when you're living off my coattails. Yeah. When they have no idea, like I was literally mm-hmm. in the white house talking with Obama's special assistant regarding <laughs> right. the work that we're doing. Right. right? But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deadbeat and right. I don't work. Right. And what, what's so devastating about those things. And I remember these things cause they do like to your point, they kind of touch you to the core. Mm-hmm. Gretchen and I are boarding a flight. And we're standing in line. There's what, 300 people. We're Mm -hmm. getting on this flight. The woman ahead of us is like super excited that she sees Gretchen. No, sees both of us. I mean, she's like ecstatic to see both of us. She's like, oh my God, me and my husband were such big fans. La, la, la. Fan of the show. Can we take a picture? Blah, blah, blah. She was very sweet. And she was so excited that she had to call her husband. Uh And and she She puts him on speaker. She puts him on speaker. And what does he say? The first thing he says is he he's on the phone. Now it's on speaker. Everyone like standing in line. Cause you know, you're up at the front ready to board the plane. Yeah, so everyone you're getting there. on a plane with is listening to this woman who has her husband on speakerphone. And what, what did he say? Did he say, he, he said, she's like, I'm so excited. You won't believe it. I'm standing in front of Gretchen and Slade. And she goes, Oh, does that douchebag have a job yet? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I remember- And then I'm going to go spend three and a half hours on a flight with all these people who like think I'm a deadbeat that doesn't work. Yeah. I remember that was, that was a really harsh moment. That was like one of those moments where, you know, the show bled so much into our lives in, in, in a, in a way. And honestly, the thing is, is you have such confidence and you have such a strong backbone, like with everything, like things really roll off your back, but- that one hurt like bad. And you, and I think you were just like embarrassed because everyone like looked and and this whole thing. And it was like, and it was like, it, it just took away something that is so important to you. And anybody that watches our social media now and sees what an incredible father you are with Skylar, those, those are the things that, you know, the show never aired, never, you never really saw, at least on the time you were with me, because what's funny is the, the, you know, original watchers of Housewives, they were the ones that were like attuned to what was happening. And they were like, wait, I saw Slade with his sons when he was with Joe. And I saw what an incredible father he was with his son. So how did he go from being this amazing, great dad, the boys both living with you full time um, and then going to all of a sudden the next season, you're a Debbie dad. Like it just, it didn't, it fit the narrative of what the cast and what production wanted to portray, but it didn't really match up with who you were as a person. And I think that's where the discord happened. And I think that the network sometimes got caught in that because it wasn't matching up with who you were as a real person. I think a lot of people just believe what they see in here and you never get the full side of the story. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the full side. God, that's a lot. We that's, talked a lot of Jesus. Do we even take a question? Oh my God. I know that was that was Sorry, question everybody. number one. <laughs> Sorry. This is why you should not drink and answer questions. Um, okay, so this was an interesting question. Musky Rabbit. What an interesting name. So do you feel like less of a woman for proposing to a man? I think that is such an interesting question. Oh, and I could answer that. Okay, I want to hear your answer first. I think you feel like more of a woman (laughs) because I know you and you don't like to like step into the status quo. No. You like to break the mold, do things that are original. Totally. And in your mind, you're like, how many women out there have lost the opportunity to be with that amazing individual in their lives for some reason or other, because he chose not to ask, couldn't ask, wasn't in a position to ask. And rather than just stepping up and being honest and clear about their feelings, they let the opportunity go. Possibly. I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it. That's interesting. Glass has full, Gretchen. Glass has full. I know. I love it. You know, for me, the answer to that question is absolutely not. Um, you know, I think it's it's all dependent on each person's situation. But for me, as a lot of people recall on the show, Slade had proposed to me, I think twice, possibly. Or you would propose once 
or you were trying to propose, I don't know, but the, I know that like, at least you had proposed to me twice, whether it was on the show or not. And, uh, and it w- had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't want to be with you. It had to do with my past and some things I was holding on to and my um, fear of commitment again, because I felt like every time I actually got in a committed relationship where there was a title, it went to shit in a handbag. Yeah. And so it was my own issues. And I feel like by the time that I proposed to you, I, I really knew in my heart that like I needed to show you that I was ready at that time. Like I, I feel like if I had said, okay, I'm ready. Now you can do it. It's like, there wouldn't have been that same sentiment. Like it would have been yeah. like, okay, you know, I'll propose again. But I just think that that like would have been lost. And I think that, I think it was so perfect for us. Like, I don't, I think it couldn't have gone any better. Like a lot of people are like, oh, don't you want him to do this big romantic thing? Here's the thing. Most women want that because they don't have that in their daily lives. I have it mm. in my daily life with you. You are the most romantic, amazing, kind, like thoughtful, Aww. like you constantly are doing things. Like I can't tell you all the, all the time. He's constantly buying me flowers just randomly. I come home and he has rose petals going up to a bath made for me. He like, he constantly is doing romantic things for me. So I personally think that a lot of women want this big grand proposal and this big romantic thing, because most men don't think to do that on, on the daily or, you know, on the weekly or whatever it is, you were already that person in my life. So I didn't feel like I had that emptiness or that whole missing of that, you know, if you will. And so I didn't feel like I had that void in my life. So for me, it was like so special and so exciting and so fun to plan that. And, and like, it was like epic, the proposal. <laughs> so- it was epic. And, and people should know that uh, opportunity number three, mm-hmm. which is what it would have been, got pulled away from me. Mm-hmm. Like number two, that got torpedoed because I think you intercepted a text message from production mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it mentioned the ring and stuff yeah. that I was doing. And yeah. so you saw it, which kind of blew it. Yeah. And, and that happens because Gretchen and I, you know, we have this, we share telephones on a regular basis. We mm-hmm. have no secrets. It's the same password. So calls will come in and you never know which one of us can answer which phone, right? right. And just, just how our relationship is. And so she had intercepted a text message from production and mm-hmm. they kind of blew my opportunity on proposal number two. Yeah. And then the third time I did have a grand proposal being planned for you. <laughs> this is when we had a contract. We were working with Rolls Royce. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a custom the Gretchen Christine, Gret- a, cust- a custom Gretchen Christine Rolls Royce ghost mm-hmm. was being prepared coming off the line in Goodwood, England, yeah. had your logo already embedded into the seats of the car. Mm-hmm. A little light lit up on the side when you when you loaded it. And what I was doing is communicating with production mm-hmm. about flying you to England, mm-hmm. going on this epic picnic, mm-hmm. you know, um, and going to the factory to preview your car as it came off the line. All right. And the idea was that the statue that's on the front of the Rolls Royce, she's called the Spirit of Ecstasy. It's the girl with the wings with her hand behind her back mm-hmm. and people steal those. Yeah. You know? So what the, what the vehicle manufacturer has done now is that they, it pops down under the hood. When you start the car, a little thing opens up and she pops up. And so I was putting your engagement ring around her neck <laughs> and I wanted to show you your car. You were going to turn it on. And when you turned it on, the spirit of ecstasy would pop up. And then this engagement ring was going to be around the That's neck of the so spirit cute. of ecstasy. See what I'm talking about? How romantic and thoughtful he is? Yeah. Uh, we, he did, like planned this whole thing out. And let me tell we you a little- We were going to Stonehenge, like we had this yeah. whole thing. And let me tell you a little behind the scenes secret of this. So production was playing like 007. So they were totally like- Leading enter- me on. They were totally entertaining Slade's idea for the proposal because they didn't want to set him off that I was actually planning the proposal. And the production was- going to go forward with my proposal, but they needed to let Slade think that he was still planning his proposal. So it was so funny because I found myself, I constantly had to be lying to Slade because I would have to go to LA and I'd, I'd, I was writing the song and I was producing the song and I was in studio. And then I had to go and like meet with the fire department for the helicopter on top, on top of the building and like all this stuff. So okay, there was people know you can't just land on top of building. No, you can't like just they land have to on, train you, you have to be to on the building. Train you it's to like be on the building. 20 K to land. It's I mean, like, there's a lot, it's right? like a lot that goes into this and production even said it was one of their biggest like productions that they've ever done. And so Cause Gretchen comes up with these grand ideas of like, and then I'm on top of the building with the flowing white dress and the helicopter flies around and then he lands. And then I propose and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyways, the, um, it was just, it was so cool and fun, but they, but they did, they had to like do all the special training. So I found myself telling Slade all the time, like, yeah, I'm going to get my nails done. And he's like, I thought you got your nails done like three days ago. And I'm like, yeah, but I broke a nail <laughs> or I'm like, I'm getting my hair done. And he's like, I swear you just got your hair done. So like I had to come up with all these excuses of things that I was doing. You little shit. You were going to the studio and yeah. recording. Yeah. I was either recording or I was meeting with production to like come up with like how we were going to plan this all. I was meeting with the coordinators for the big party downstairs that I was surprising you with. So, and I will say it takes so much to get me to surprise you. And I actually was able to surprise the hell. You didn't, you had no clue. No. no. Like no clue. And my favorite part is you cried. cried. I I love that you, I love that I got you to cry because. That's that's the whole thing with our family, by the way. Yeah. Because like, if you can plan something for a family member and Uh it brings them to tears. Then you win. Then you win. Like you totally win. We make everybody cry in this family. Yeah, we Mom and dad have cried. Yeah, because like. brother cries. If you guys remember the episode where we planned my mom and dad's 50th wedding anniversary and we like flew in their pastor from 40 years ago and like. I mean, we like when we plan events, we go big. We go big, baby. Like kind of like Skylar's baby shower last year. That was a big event. People thought we were getting married because it was like such a big event. They were like, oh, we know you're going to like do a surprise wedding. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you know Skylar's I can't even. first birthday is coming up? Like I literally can't even believe it. July 10th, she's going to be one. Like I cannot believe that. Did you guys know, fun fact, all she says is mama, 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 mama all mama. day, all day. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. And I say, I said, Skylar, you can't just say mama. You got to say dada, say papa, let's say some other things. She won't say anything. She goes. All the time. Every time he says that. Yeah. It's so cute. Um, Somebody said, your daughter is beautiful. Congrats. Um, This person said, no question, but I just love the way you are. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. So a lot of questions said, are you planning to have another baby? (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) So the answer is yes and no. I mean, I don't think we have any plans not to have a baby. Like we've definitely not said no, but we definitely do not have plans to have a baby right now because. Well, the intent was to have more than one. Yeah. We've realized that. We do have more embryos. We can barely handle one. Yeah. Is what we realized. Yeah. And maybe that's going to change as she becomes older and a bit more independent. But Skylar is a handful. Skylar's winning. Skylar is so winning. (laughs) Like she, you guys, last night at 4 a.m., no joke, decided to have a dance party. Mom had to go in the room from four to six, and she wanted to dance and sing from four to six. Because dad was up from midnight to four. Yeah. She just would not sleep. And here's the thing, you can't be mad at her. Yeah, because she's so cute. Because she's so cute. She like, she like sings. She sings. Like all of a sudden she's like, that's what she does. Like, and you're like, are you kidding me right now? And I know everyone's like, just let her cry it out, but we just we can't do it. Like we just we epically fell at that. Um, so the answer to that is yes and no. I would love to have another baby, but by the time that I would be thinking about having another baby, I probably would be close to 44. Somebody asked, uh, one of the questions was, how old am I? I'm old as fuck. Um, no, I'm, I'm older than that. <laughs> I'm 42. Um, and so by the time I even thought about having another baby, I'd be 44. Am I now 51? You're 51. Are you You're better- getting close to ARP. You are going to be part of ARP soon. I love it. <laughs> you better trade me in. Can we get them as sponsors of the show? Can we have AARP as <laughs> I know, a sponsor? right? We love Um, you, AARP. (laughs) A lot of questions asked about, I know, like they say, like, I know you guys had a baby and are busy, but are you guys ever going to get married? Ton of questions about, are we going to get married? And I want to just do this really simple, short answer. We would love to get married. Sure. But like, do we feel like we have to get married? No. So like, I don't know if that's where we're putting our energy. So if the timing ever looks like it's Right. Or like, let's say Skylar's older and she's like, mommy and daddy, I want you to be married. We probably would get married. It's like, we literally call each other husband and wife. We mm-hmm. feel like we're married. We've been together 11 years. Certain states were legal. Yeah. I just don't even feel like going and getting a marriage license would like solidify anything. However, I think it'd be really fun to plan a wedding, but that's like a whole She just wants to have the party. Yeah. That's like a whole undertaking. So I like, I don't even think I have the energy for that, but. That's the answer. We actually had some friends who did the really smart thing. They had a commitment ceremony. Yeah, that was cool too. So they planned a wedding, Mm -hmm. full on commitment ceremony. It was just like a regular wedding Mm -hmm. so that all the friends and family could be there. They knew they were committed to being a couple. Mm -hmm. I just don't think they handled the paperwork. Yeah. Uh, Mateo Castro once said, do you have ticklish feet? Slade, do I have ticklish feet? 
Gretchen has ticklish everything. I do. Everything. Um, I do not, Mateo, but you could try tickling them if you wanted. Another person asked, would you rather have a back rub or feet rub? What, what do you think I would rather have? Foot rub. And you would rather have your back rubbed. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, are you coming- You want everything rubbed, honestly, <laughs> or True. touched on a regular basis. True. Are you coming back to rock now that Tamara's gone? I got a lot of these questions too. Um, you know we call what? production? <laughs> no. We might actually consider it now. No. Um, you know what? Honestly, I would definitely consider it a hundred times more now that she's gone. Absolutely. I would. But does that mean I would still consider it? Probably not. <laughs> but meaning, I know this sounds like so odd, but like now that she's gone, I just feel like that toxicity and the negativity and the, the like, lies, manipulation, yeah. the fake ass. And like just shit. the darkness of the show. I feel like it's just going to be much different. I think it's going to be a different show, which I'm really excited about. And now that I saw the way that they produced Beverly Hills and really gave it like um, a refresh, you uh-huh. know, re- hit the refresh button on it. I think that they're going to probably be able to do the same with Orange County. Orange County. Here's the thing though. I've been off it for quite some time now, so I don't even know like if it would be interesting for me to come back at this point. Well, but let's think about this for a second. So we, we met Shannon in the beginning on her first season. Mm-hmm. Was it her first season? Yeah. She came onto the show and had great interactions with her. Mm-hmm. And then the evil one got a hold of her. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, everything changed. Yeah. But we liked Shannon. Like we got her really along with I, her. I had no problem with Shannon. And then when she got, you know, Tamara got her hooks into her, then she just totally changed she towards changed. us. It was really weird. And then she was just weird towards yeah. us. Yeah. So we're But friend- I'm hearing from the grapevine that that whole relationship is like no go anymore. Like she doesn't even, she's like, uh, you're off the show. Bye. Well, Cause she knows she's two faced Barney. Yeah. She's fake. It's just manipulative and she just, it's whatever. So, I mean, I think it was time for her to exit yeah. stage left. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know Emily. Yeah. So you authentically have a relationship with Emily, mm-hmm. you know, and Lizzie is really close with Emily. Right. So, and I'm very good friends with Lizzie. Yep. Uh, and so who else is on the cast? Kelly. Kel- oh yeah, that's right. So mm-hmm. you have friends with Kelly, mm-hmm. you know, Bronwyn. I know her, but she totally did that weird thing. Like I was really like but here's what's disappointed interesting. in what happened there. I know, but she wanted to meet with you. She was like, so, so well, excited okay, to meet you know with what? you. Tell this the story. The, tell I the should story. tell the story. If we're on Housewives, we might as well just tell Housewives stories. So here's the thing a lot of people don't know about what went down. I never spoke about this publicly because whatever, like I just, I just don't even want to get into the drama of Housewives when I'm not on the show even though I get pulled into it sometimes, because when people talk about me, like I want to defend myself. Like that's just who I am as a person. I want to come out and be like, that's not what happened. So I like, I literally could not believe (laughs) um, what was going down with that. Emily actually reached out to um, Lizzie and was like, dude, did you guys reach out to Bronwyn when this all like happened? I'm going to tell the story. No, but I'm going to tell the story. So Emily reached out to Lizzie and said, did you and Gretchen reach out to Bronwyn? And Lizzie's like, no, why are you asking that? She's like, well, Bronwyn said on the show that you and and Gretchen- Contacted her. Contacted her. And we were like, wait, what? We're like, are you kidding me right now? Like, that is not what happened. It's like, you guys didn't even know who she was. We had no clue who the new housewife was, anything. So how the story goes was I knew an agent in Hollywood who- supposedly had a friend that knew the new housewife coming on. And the new housewife supposedly, who's Bronwyn, what I was told by this agent was that she was a fan of mine. She watched me on the show. She wanted to reach out to me, get some advice about coming on the show, da, da, da. I told the agent literally, no, I don't want anything to do with it. He's like, please, will you do me a solid? Just re- talk to her. And I was like, Like, no, I think you said no, like three times. I said no the first time. And then when he reached back out and said, can you do me a solid and just talk to her? I was like, okay. So I agreed to talk to her and then she started communicating with me. And I have the text messages where she reached out to me and she wanted to meet for coffee. So I was like, okay, you know, like, I guess. And like, I wasn't, I wasn't letting her know that I was feeling that way, but I was feeling anxious about it because I just know anytime I get involved with anything housewives, it always seems to like backfire on me yeah. or I come mean, there's back no to me. value in you there's taking no value. your personal time to go help her. There's no value whatsoever. But again, I was doing it for my friend who was an agent in the business, da, da, da. So I go and meet with her. And when I meet with her, she was lovely. Like I really, really liked Bronwyn so much. She was so sweet. She, when she showed up, 
she had a gift for me because of my pregnancy. So sweet. And I was like, that is the sweetest thing ever. Like, thank you so much. I don't even know you. And she's like, I think the whole world was like, you know, hoping that you would get pregnant. And the whole world was excited when you got pregnant. And I followed your journey. So congratulations. We had a great conversation, totally hit it off. And I said, look, I said, um, you know, whether, whatever happens with Housewives, like I don't need to be involved with that, but like, you know, you're a cool person and I'd love to be friends with you outside of that, like as moms, because she had a lot of things that she was saying as a mom that I loved, that mm-hmm. I was like connecting with. But you gave her some advice at the end of your meeting. Yeah. So the, the so the advice I said to her at the very end, is, as I said, listen, I said, I think it would be to your detriment to tell the women that you wanted to meet with me because a lot of the women on the show like have an issue with me. And I think that they would take, you know, issue with it. So I would just suggest that you don't tell people that you wanted to meet with me. And she's like, oh, okay, good advice. So I find out from Lizzie, who Emily told Lizzie this, that literally the very first time that Bronwyn filmed with the girls, she's like, hey, by the way, I I hung out with Gretchen or whatever. Like she literally like disclosed it immediately. And I was like, okay, well, that was a dumbass thing to do. (laughs) And of course, uh, I mean, and of course, Tamara went sideways when she heard that. Yeah. And so Tamara was really upset about it. And then Bronwyn lied and Bronwyn, cause they were getting all like up in a rile about it, which I warned her about. Yep. And she said, um, I don't even know why they care. It's so stupid. And so she's, well, they care because they know, I know who they really are. And they're afraid that I'm going to like disclose that to her. So anyways, which you didn't, by the way, which I didn't, I literally like just said, just be careful. Like there's certain cast members that are willing to like say and do anything. I honestly, I swear to God, you can ask her to this day. I literally didn't even bad mouth the girls. Like I really didn't. So I guess Tamara went sideways, whatever. And so she lied and she said, oh, well, Gretchen reached out to me. And so then when you see them on the top of that bus or whatever, um, and I obviously know this because everyone's like tuning because this is the episode that's about you. And they were on the top of the bus. And I guess they basically called her out and was like, we, because what happened was Emily said, send us the text messages from Bronwyn reaching out to you so I can show the girls that like she's lying. And I was like, yeah, of course. And again, this is the only reason I ever like talk about housewives or get involved is when I'm you def- feel like you're defending yourself. When I feel like I'm defending myself. Because yeah. if people are gonna go out and talk shit, I need to de- I'm gonna defend Especially it. Especially on such a public show. Yeah. So I forward my text messages to um Emily. Emily. And I was like, here's the text exchange where she's reaching out to me, wanting to meet with me. And so then I guess, you know, Tamara saw that and she was just like, why are you lying to me? Da, da, da. And so, and then they all had like an argument over it. And then all of a sudden they like, you know, made up and whatever and were over it, which great for the show. But like, it was funny because I even reached out to Bronwyn and I was just like, what the hell? Like, you know, I literally like took my time to come meet with you and like, you know, yeah, why suck me into the drama? Like, but like the fact that she just straight up lied and like made that shit up and like tried to like do that. And then she like went around and like all this, all the press and all the things she was doing, like BravoCon, I heard that she was like, my biggest regret the season was talking to Gretchen and Lizzie. It was just like, are you kidding me? Like, you're the one that reached out to me. And like, I was nothing but like generous and sweet and kind to you of giving my time and talking with you. You're the one that showed up with a gift. You're the one that told me that you were a fan of mine on the show. Like, come on now, you know? So I was, I was hurt by that. Like it hurt my feelings. Cause I was just like, I don't know how much kinder and gracious I could have been to a person. And for them to like lie, try to make me look like I was the bad person somehow. And then, you know, go and like say negative things about it. And then, and then she like even manipulated, she like, she did some interview where she's like, well, there's more to the story. And so I called her out in my text and I was like, can you explain to me what more there is to the story? Cause here's our text messages and here's yeah, what happened. It's pretty simple. Yeah, it's pretty simple. So anyways, that's a very long story to it, but I just think it's interesting how, you know, some of these women <laughs> manipulate and change stories from what really happened. So, well, it's, it's so, uh, so are they even friends? Who? Tamara and Brown. You know, I think possibly, but I don't, I think since, you know, since she's not on the show anymore, I think the women are kind of like in the group now, you know, like they're like now focused on the girls that are on the show. It's just kind of naturally what happens with the show. Like when you're out, you're kind of out and you're not really spending the energy on that. Now, 
Um, I don't think she has a problem with Tamara or anything, but I think that, you know, she, so I guess my point of telling you that was that I don't have a problem with Bronwyn until she like did that, you know, that's what kind of bothered me. Um, so it's Bronwyn and then Gina who Gina's always been nothing but great and fine with me. So there's not really, who else is there? And then I think there's a new, new girl this season. So, yeah. But, okay. Oh, I knew what that it was. That all came up because if you were going to go back. They asked me if I would go back. The, the truth is that was is like that the longest have, story It, it was that. a long answer. Sorry. But you have authentic relationships of individuals that are currently still on the show. Yeah. I mean, I do. But, like, the truth is. I is think we're friends with more people in Beverly Hills, though. We have a lot of friends. On, we have a lot of friends in all the franchises. But, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, here's my thing. Again, I think the way I pose it is never say never. But... I mean, I don't even know if, if it would be interesting at this point. Do you think it'd be interesting if we went back? I don't even know. Would the fans even want that at this point? I don't know. We're, yeah. we're so boring, Gretchen. Well, it's not even that we're boring. We just, we, <laughs> the problem is, is reality TV. You need to have like, like a lot of shit happen in your life. And like you and I are yeah. just in love. We respect each other. We have a beautiful baby girl. We work hard. We're like everyone else in the country, just like working hard, doing our thing. They do hunger a little bit for the train wreck, don't they? They do. But, you know, the truth is, too, I, um, you know, I always, you know, I could get into it with her. I mean, like, if you look at Kyle on Beverly Hills, she's not a train wreck, but she. Well, no, it's it's different, though. For, for, for Beverly Hills, for some reason, the way that that show is produced, um, I don't know. It's fun to watch, right? I mean, yeah. Cause we really love Kyle and Maurizio. We've been friends with them for a long time. We've mm-hmm. traveled with them. We spent time with them away at, at events. They're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, ton of fun. I love them. Yeah. They're really, really cool. Um, Teddy, we simply know from spending a day with her at the NASCAR racetrack. She was very sweet. She very was very sweet. kind. Right. Mm-hmm. Erica Jane, you know, we've met several times. Yeah, um, her again, publicist is my publicist. Her her choreographer, really? Yeah, yeah. So Erica Jane's choreographer was Mikey Gretchen's Minden. choreographer yeah. when Gretchen was performing and dancing for with Pussycat, Pussycat Dolls. Dolls. Yeah, and then um, she just did an episode with Eric, who was my vocal coach. Which yeah. they didn't end up showing on Housewives, but I went to Eric too. So it's weird how like, you know, uh-huh. the whole thing Yeah, we connects. know a lot of the same people. So yeah, yeah very, very interesting. But Lisa, we've only met a couple times. Lisa, Lisa and Renna? Harry, Lisa Renna, yeah. Harry Hamlin. We met them a But we know Lisa times. Vanderpump. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that- um, Should we move to Beverly Hills? <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I love Beverly Hills, but no, saying. I don't think we'd fit there. Okay. Um, I don't think we'd fit there. No. I mean, yeah. if we make a bajillion dollars, maybe- all those women are just like rich, rich, rich. What is that show? Like the Sutton. The- oh my God. Was that not the funniest thing ever when Sutton literally was like, and then we could do Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock. And Kyle Richard, Kyle is so me when she's like, wait, what's, what's Yacht Rock? And then she's like, uh, when you play music on Yacht, and Kyle's like, oh, <laughs> like, that was so epic. That was my favorite mo- moment ever. I like literally laughed out loud. That I was, was pretty funny. I'm and Denise s- and her husband are weird. I'm ha- Why are they weird? I, we've never met them. You can't say that. You've never even met them. Okay, take it back. They're portraying them as kind of weird. Well, <laughs> like, poor why, Aaron. like why is why is he talking about poor Aaron, the, the Beamer technology that NASA is going to use in their in their stuff? Does he know the Beamer came from NASA? Well, I, that's who been knows? that's been in their spacesuits for like ten years. Listen, and that's where the Beamer came from. Listen, They're not putting it in there. It's been in there. You and I know full well. That there's certain conversations that yes. big pharmaceutical companies and the big media outlets and all those people do not want people to have. And and yeah. and even though he might have sounded a little bit like a wackadoodle, there's a lot of truth to some of the things that he was saying. <laughs> you said wackadoodle? <laughs> and I got to call my friend Mo out here right now. Maurizio, you were having way too much oh fun, brother. Oh, my God. That he, was amazing. He, oh, he was funny. He was funny. I mean, he's funny anyway. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was high as a kite. Him. I'm you pretty think? sure he was high as a kite. Is he partaking? I think he was definitely smoking the pot. Like, like so funny. Like, I love how they like cut he, he to most him. fun anyway. He's so fun. But like but, when he like is in those moments and he's like yeah. saying things and I love how they like strategically cut to him in those moments. <laughs> he's like, ha, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's so, <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Cause we know him so well that like when he's acting like that, we're like, oh yeah. my gosh, he's totally. The truth like, is they could have looped that laugh. They could have right? looped it, but yeah. he, he is a blast. He, he and really Kyle is. are a blast. Yeah. Like, we love them so much. 
Hey, you're listening to Not Too Taboo on the uh, Stage 29 Podcast Network. This is a uh, Real Housewife marathon. Oh my gosh. You know what sucks is we could literally do like 16 episodes just on that. Probably. This person's like, please return to rock. Love Manchester, UK. Give me your opinions on Tamara and Vicky. How do you feel about them? Oh my gosh. How many times do I have to talk about them? Um, uh, you know, Vicky, I don't have any issues with. I mean, Vicky and I made up a few years ago. Yep. And um, it was actually really nice to like, you know, reconnect with her. And, you know, it's when Tamara and all them really hated her. And, uh, you know, we just reconnected on that, sadly. <laughs> and, um, but we've stayed in touch, you know, like not, not like often enough, but like in the, in the sense of like big life events, like she's mm-hmm. reached out to me with Skylar and like, you know, different things like that. Like it's been, it's been nice to still just be cordial with her and cool with her. And, and Vicky's just Vicky. Yeah. You know, yeah. lover, hater, Vicky's Vicky. And yeah. I don't, she's not premeditated. No. She's just herself mm-hmm. and she does some crazy fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made her, uh, made good television. Yeah. Right. I think, Cause she's just, her, she's just who she is. It did take me a good, you know, it took me actually leaving the show to appreciate her for the show, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I think during the show, when she was like such a hater of me and like constantly attacking me, it was hard to like, like her. But when you, when you leave the show and you can see it from an outsider's point of view and you can see what, what, how she makes good TV because she just is clueless to the things that she does. <laughs> and like, yeah, she has, yeah. she has no self-awareness to like what she's doing. And like Tamara, I, I forget Tamara said something at one time where she said that Vicky is the most unseasoned seasoned housewife because she literally like always is, is saying and doing things. So you're like, after 14 years, you think you would know not to say yeah, you that. You think you'd know better, but she yeah. just, she just, Vicky is authentically Vicky. She just flies by the seat of her pants. Yeah. So like you just come to a point where you just love her for being so like clueless to yeah. those things. Yeah. Um, Tamara, obviously we all know how I feel about her. Pathological liar, in my opinion. Um, God bless her. Hopefully she, you know, becomes better after leaving the show. You can like just look at the media that she does, the press she does. Full on pathological liar, in yeah. my opinion. And it's just, it's, it's so contradictory. Well, it's so contradictory. It's so my stupid. favorite one is the recent one. If, if we're talking about housewives. So she literally went out and was like, oh, I, I left because of everything that's going on in my life. And then she's on the live with Andy and she's like, I got fired three times. She says on there, I got fired. And I then, thought things were cool. So we went on, on a camping trip. Yeah. I thought, I thought and it was coming back and then I got fired. So she says on that, I'm fired. And, and she then she spins a different story. Then she comes back out in the press and is like, oh, I left because of everything with Simon. And I just had to was, focus on that, which by the way, God bless her if that was the truth. But how I know it's not the truth is because she's literally out promoting the fact that she's doing a new show with Vicky. So if you left a show because you needed to focus on your family and on your ex who has cancer, then that means you don't do other television or you don't right. do other shows. And why are you out promoting that? Oh, I want to go work on this network and we've got another show and yeah. we're doing all these other it's things. It's just, it's bullshit. She just catches her. Like she literally throws herself ex- over with a bus. Yeah, she, she does all the time. And she's like, she literally has an excuse of, of why, you know, she's not on the show and like, Oh, I needed time to step back and like not do the show. Well, if that it's was like, the no, case, you got then, fired. then why are you doing other shows? You know what I mean? Like that right. doesn't make sense. Like I either know. you're focusing on your ex and him having cancer or you're not like, right. it's well, not, well, here's you don't a tip for the listeners. When you're a liar, you forget about what you lied about. Mm-hmm. And that's why it always catches up with you. So true. Yeah. Um, let's see. You seem grounded in OC. What's your secret? Everyone seems so self-absorbed and so cal. That's funny. Thank you. Um, my secret is two things. Have a great partner. Oh, I love you. Have a family who keeps you in check. Yeah. They kick our ass all the time. And my spirituality, my faith. I'm always, you know, I've learned to be, I, I mean, my, my, you know, the core of my faith is, you know, to be humble and just, you know, But that's who you are as a person though. I mean, I have to say that what I love about you is that it doesn't matter who we're communicating with. They could be the president of a corporation. They could be a governor, a senator. They could be the guy at the airport that's washing the windows. They all get treated exactly the same way. And you acknowledge everyone. Because I think there's those people that are, are service individuals that sometimes don't get recognized. Yeah. And I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters who they are because- they're all so valuable in what they do. And and I find that you take the time to recognize, acknowledge, and communicate with everyone. It doesn't matter who they are or what they do. 
Yeah. You're so non-judgmental. Well, thank you for that. I mean, listen, I, you know, I do, I sit there and I'm like sitting in the airport and I see the guys like washing the window and I go out of my way to be like, hi, how are you today? And they look at me like, are you talking to me? And it's like, I feel bad sometimes for those people because I think people like, they're like invisible. Like a lot of people just don't even acknowledge who they are, what they do. And I just try to go, or like the best boys that come to your table. Like, I think it's really important. Yeah, you talk to all the best boys, all the servers. I do. Because I want everyone to know that they are special and that they are visible and that they are, you know, that, that I appreciate what they're doing. And we see you. Yeah, and that we see them. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to another episode of Not Too Taboo. Please remember to like, download, subscribe, and listen to our podcast. Also, <laughs> oh, and also leave a review for us. We love getting your guys' reviews. We do, we do. And we have amazing <laughs> guests, and you learn a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, everybody, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk.